Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. It's Friday and today is the day when our players return for pre-season training. Not all of the players, of course. Some of them are still away on international duty or they've just finished international duty. So they've, uh, they've had a little bit of a break. But all the rest of them, the rest of them, the guys who haven't been doing much this summer, they've been on their holidays in fancy resort locations, probably like Torremolinos and Magaluf and Ayanapa, all these high-end places. Anyway, they, they will be back today, Friday, checking in for some screening and uh, a bit of an assessment, like how was your summer? Did you did you happen to put a nail through your foot and uh, get a an infection, and now your foot has got gangrene? Or you know, how are your hamstrings and your groins and your calves and all those kind of things? That sort of a thing. So, who will be back? We've got the goalkeepers: Burned Leno, Emmy Martinez, Nacho Monreal, who is still an Arsenal player. Of course, he has not been terminated, or his contract rather has not been terminated. Arsenal are yet to implement such ruthless measures when it comes to getting rid of players that they actually terminate them rather than their contracts. Maybe that's something we'll have to do a bit down the line. Who knows? Uh, Koscielny, Mustafi, Chambers, Jenkinson, Mavropanos, Maitland-Niles, Ozil, Mkhitaryan, Aubameyang, Lacazette, Takuma Asano, Gabriel Martinelli. Gabriel Martinelli, a signing. We made our very first signing of the summer. The young Brazilian has signed from a club in Brazil that I can't really pronounce, so I'm not even going to try. But he has joined us. We all knew he was coming. We all knew it was a done deal. It's just over the line now. And we got pictures of him in his Arsenal shirt and also wearing a a blazer and a shirt. He's a very well-decked-out young man. So, obviously, there's a bright future for him. If not, if not in football, as a Marks and Spencer's model. So... That's what's going on today, and those players will be back and uh, having the japes from Monday onwards uh, on the training ground. And then, of course, they're going off to the United States next week. In terms of transfers, that's about all that's really happened this week that's concrete. Of course, Crystal Palace were very unhappy with us because we made a £40 million bid for Wilfred Zaha. I personally don't think that's, you know, insulting in any way. Sure, they sold Wan-Bissaka for £50 million, but they also sold Wan-Bissaka to one of the biggest, richest clubs in the world for £50 million. And when you sort of compare Zaha to some of the other players around in terms of what he delivers, what he produces, I mean, I like him. He'd add an element of of kind of chaos and fun to, to an Arsenal side that could do with some of that. But, like, the idea that he's worth £80 million is absurd. 
We just bought Lacazette. No, not Lacazette. Aubameyang. We just bought Aubameyang, who's a 30-goal-a-season striker just over uh, 12 months ago. Well, maybe a little over 12 months ago at this point for £55 million. So how does... How does Zaha become worth £80 million? I think Crystal Palace are protesting a little bit too much here. They're trying to make out that we're, that we're somehow insulting them by offering what we think a player might be worth, or a bit less than we think he might be worth in the age-old art of negotiation by, you know, not offering a monstrous amount of money straight away. You kind of work your way upwards. That's the way it goes. Crystal Palace are at it themselves, offering £10 million for Norwich City's uh, Max Ahrens, who's one of the most exciting right-backs in the championship. Norwich apparently are furious. They're incensed. They feel it's a ham-fisted approach. Norwich, then, are going to make a bid for a League Two right-back, £4 million, and that club is going to go mental. They're going to say, this is crazy. We're incensed. That was ham-fisted. That club will then make a bid for a player in the conference for £750,000 and the conference side will say, this is ridiculous, who do they think they are? Trying to swat us aside like some minnows. Then they'll go down to, I don't know, the Ryman League or the local, whatever the next. It's the circle of football life. That's how it goes. Are we going to sign Wilfred Zaha? I don't fucking know. Are we going to sign anyone else? Probably. But who and when? I don't fucking know. I just don't fucking know. Uh, and that's where we are with our transfer business. But don't worry, because... I, I do believe that we have a very good plan to cover those positions, to be much stronger next year, to deliver the success that we're all hoping for. We have a very good plan. We have a very good plan. Don't worry, Mr. B. I have a cunning plan to solve the problem. Yes, Mordick, let us not forget that you tried to solve the problem of your mother's low ceiling by cutting off her head. (laughs) So let's see how that plan develops, how it comes to fruition, how it blossoms and blooms before our very eyes over the next coming weeks, because I refuse to believe that the plan is to fool everyone by going into next season with the same squad as we had last season. That's the last thing they'd expect. No, we can't be We can't be doing that. I'm sure there will be more transfers just when we don't know. But anyway, uh, we're going to talk a bit later on. We're going to talk, I'm going to talk a bit later on to some of our Arsblog members on Patreon and the Discord channel. We're going to take some questions, a bit of q and I'm sure some stuff about transfers and what have you will come up. But let's get on with the show and welcome our first guest it is a man who writes for football london he spent quite a bit of time with freddie yumberg last season from a journalistic point of view i was interested to hear what he made of him so laith yusuf from football london hello to you hello mate how you doing thanks for having me on not at all listen before we get into all the painful stuff about transfers and finances and what's going on and not going on at arsenal this week uh we can go down misery lane together uh, along with the listeners I want to talk about something that is perceived to be one of the the kind of positive developments of, of this summer so far. And that's the promotion of Freddie Jumberg to the first team coaching staff under Unai Emery. He's going to work uh, with the first team players, going to be part of what they've called a, a transitional team or to help players move from academy level to first team level. And I know last year, uh, particularly when you were working for the Islington Gazette, you interviewed Freddie quite a bit um, after the under-23 games. What were your impressions of him as as a coach, uh, the way that he works and the way that he operates on the sideline? Because we all have our ideas of Freddie as, you know, a player and, and what kind of a player and character he was. But how do you view him as a as a coach and what are your impressions of him there? 
Yeah, absolutely. Good, good question, mate. Um, yeah, I, I covered the under-23s a lot last season. Um, the under-21s as well. well. Obviously, Football London still covers um, academy level as well. So um, we'll be doing some under-23s and um, essentially under-21 tracker trade trophy games as well as under-18s next season as well. So, um, yeah, I, I, I covered, as I say, I covered it extensively. Um, got to know Freddie quite well um, from a journalist point of view. He's a really, really good guy. We all know him from um, being an Arsenal legend as a, as a footballer, and um, and he there, there, there's no side to him. He's a really, really lovely guy. He's really genuine. He speaks really, really well about the game. He's really articulate. He's intelligent. He's got football intelligence, obviously. Um, he's obviously a very handsome man as well, but that's that's a different story. <laughs> um, he's just a really, really good guy. And and throughout the season, um, sort of started off. Um, I think I did West Ham away at the London Stadium last August. Um, it was a torrential thunderstorm. Um, the conditions were awful. Um, that was one of the early games under Freddie. Um, I think Arsenal won 3-2. It was a real back, backs against the wall performance that the young guns did really well that night. Um, a couple of weeks later, um, Arsenal played Coventry in the, in the Checker Trade Trophy. And we managed to grab a few words with him after that. But I think that was the first time I talked to Arsenal. East to a 3-0 victory over um, um, a Coventry side. You could argue it wasn't uh, their first first team really but there were seasoned hardened professionals there men who, who played in the lower leagues for a long time mm. and it was a really good test for the youngsters and we had a, we had a really good chat with Freddie afterwards he, he was really generous with his time um, he stood and answered every question we had on the touchline afterwards and I was really struck by the fact that he, he obviously A he absolutely cares about Arsenal Football Club B he cares about the youngsters as well he wants them to progress obviously we all know at that level it's not so much about winning trophies although they did finish second in the Premier League 2 last season but it's all about the progression and development and and, and, and the general well-being of his players as well he wants them to have a career in professional football even if they don't make it at Arsenal but he has um, shepherded a lot of really really talented players um, he is obviously mirroring um, the tactics that Unai Emery um, is setting from the top basically um, he's, he's tactically flexible as a, as a manager as a boss Lundberg is um, he can think on his feet he can change tactics throughout games. But he, as well, he's, what struck me was, um, you know, we obviously look at him as a player. He was a very sort of um, creative player, um, quite flamboyant in terms of footballers because, we, you know, a lot of them are quite banal and, um, yeah. and, and don't have much to sort of say off the pitch, really. And he's obviously had a bit of hinterland with um, the Calvin Klein stuff and fair play to him as well. But, but he came across as a really serious, deep thinker about the game. Um, it wasn't just, you know, the Freddie note we know with the red hair who's popping up scoring vital goals and, and winning trophies. He actually thought things through. He was he was always thinking a couple of steps ahead in terms of game management as well. Um, but he was just a very, very impressive person. And as the season went, you know, as the season continued, um, with myself and a few others um, interviewed him quite a lot after under 23 games and and. So- Checker trade games as well. I, I did every checker trade game last season. Um, they're all the way from home, obviously. If, if certain um, listeners don't know, it's um, it's an under twenty one side base, and obviously we've got the under twenty three that compete in the Premier League too. We've got the under eighteens that compete in the FA Youth Cup. But the under twenty three, uh, under twenty one, is a sort of um, a, a makeshift team that that is um, has been entered into the checker trade trophy, which plays against lower league sides. And Arsenal played commentary way, as I say, they won three nil. Um, Forest Green Rovers they played in November um, that was a win that was a must win situation they won 3-1 prior to that two weeks previously to that Arsenal John to Cheltenham Town Cheltenham Town didn't have the best seasons in uh, in, in League 2 but they were they were a typical lower league club with, with, with you know seasoned professionals who um, will never give an inch and, and Arsenal I also got a bit of a pounding that, that, that night um, at Wadham Road I was there and they lost 6-2 
Um, and Freddie, to be fair to him, came out afterwards and he said the players will learn from this. I'll learn from it as well. It wasn't like he was sort of putting the onus on the players or anything. Yeah. He said, I need to learn from this as well. Um, and one of the things that struck me, just in terms of his tactics and um, and his man management, was the fact that... Um, Saka, because Saka, we all know he's a, he's a you know he's a real prospect. Um, he, he's obviously played for the first team since then. But this was sort of the end of October. As I say, Arsenal got an absolute shellacking six-two. Um, and I was watching from the press box, and you could see that Saka was getting pushed off the ball um, at corners. You know, the, the few corners that Arsenal did have that night. Um, his movement it was obviously excellent off the ball, but it just seemed that he was being bogged down by by the Cheltenham backline. Um, and we, I talked to Freddie that night, and he said, "Yeah, you know, players, I'm going to." Yeah, I've got obviously going to get, share my experience of, of certain things with the players. He didn't actually say what. And he, you know, he's got no right to say. He's got every right not to say it at the time. But then a couple of weeks later, after the after the Forest Green game, when Arsenal won three one, um, and that qualified him to the next round, basically, um, he was very very pleased. We had a really good chat after the game again. And Freddie basically was saying that um, he sort of had a quick. He just took Saka aside just one day in training, um, literally a day or so after that Cheltenham defeat, and just basically showed him where to run, showed him where to move in the box just to get away from his marker. Hmm. Um, Saka's obviously got a massive, you know, he's got a massively good temperament. I've talked to loads of people at the club. He's well-respected. He's well-regarded. The lad wants to learn. He's got a great work work ethic. He obviously took it on board. He didn't take, didn't take it as a personal criticism at all. And it, it shouldn't have been because Freddie was really trying to, um, just to improve his game. Yeah. Literally, six weeks later, a 17-year-old Saka makes his debut for, uh, in the Premier League for Arsenal in hmm. the 4-1 win against Fulham. Admittedly, it was only five minutes at the end for um, Alex Iwobi on New Year's Day. But the fact was, he was getting marked out the game by League Two defenders six weeks previous into that. Freddie Lundberg just gives him a little technical tweak, a little bit of uh, technical advice, um, puts his arm around him, tells him, look, son, this is where you should run. This is what you should be doing when you're pulling off defenders, pulling off the back line. Saka took it on board and, and six weeks later, he was a first team player. So yeah. that, that's the essence of Freddie Lundberg, basically. He's um, he's a real, real prospect. As I say, he's a lovely, lovely guy. And um, I think a lot of Arsenal fans are, are really excited about um, his um, his progression and his promotion to yeah. number two. I, I mean, I think the thing is as well is that the players really seem to have responded to him uh, uh, the young players really responded to him, didn't they? In terms of, uh, in terms of how they uh, developed during the season and some of the results that they put in, and it it, it seems fairly clear that this summer. Um, money being what it is and, and the way that we're doing our transfer business uh, the way that it is at this moment in time anyway as we're speaking there hasn't been a great deal done in, in the market that there is going to be uh, a measure of uh, promotion, I guess you would say, from the under twenty three squad to the to the senior squad, particularly for I guess the Europa League and the, and the League Cup. And Freddie will know a lot of these players and which one of them, uh, which of them are ready, and which of them are are sort of just about ready to take that step forward into into the Arsenal first team. To me personally, you know, it, it feels a bit like we're we're going down this road because we don't really have too much choice that there is a measure of, well, we have to in order to, you know, to fill out this squad for next season if we're not going to make the amount of signings that we'd all like us to make. So if we're looking at that as, you know, perhaps not always the best way of doing it, if you've got someone like Freddie there who has achieved things and got got um, got some of the potential out of these players, it, it could well help. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You make some really, really good points again there, mate. Um, it's, 
yeah, I mean, to, to go back to the original point, um, yeah, Fred Bielenberg is held in massively high regard, um, not just by the powers that be at the club, but by his, his players, his men, his teenage, the teenage talents that are under his care throughout the season. I covered um, the final game of the Premier League two season. It was actually at the Emirates. Um, they always sort of give them a, a nod at the end of the season for their uh, sort of hard work throughout the season by playing the game at the Emirates. I mean, literally, mm. there was thousand thousand fans there a lot of them were local which was good um and you know that, that was a, there was a little atmosphere there was a good atmosphere in a little crowd basically um which was nice but freddie after going arsenal blew leicester city away then you know, scored three goals in the first 10 minutes basically and um and won the game quite easily to finish second but it started raining it was literally sort of mid-may the weather wasn't particularly good um you know and, and we've seen over the years certain managers with a head under an umbrella or just, just sort of walk down, not ask the ones, but yeah, I think you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. But Freddie, he was absolutely soaked. He, he didn't care one little iota about it, one, one job. He went out and shook the hands. I watched him. He went out and shook the hands of every single first team player, everyone on the bench, all his staff, all his coaching staff, all his assistants. He went over to me, he got, he got the players to go over to the, to the fans who were on the other side the ones that were there and give them a little clap. It was There was a real camaraderie there. His hands around half of them. They were joking and laughing. He was sort of going over to a few, looked like he was sort of dispensing a bit of technical advice even after the last game of the season. But not content with that, he then sought out all the stewards who were around, the technical staff, the, the, the security guys, um, I, I sort of said, I'm Freddie, you know, you, you want to pick up? He goes, yeah, just give me 10 minutes. I'm just going to go and say hello to a few people. And he was talking to the families of players. He's a real people person. He's, he's emotionally intelligent. He can empathise with people. And that's one of the reasons why he's held in um, such high regard. The transfer strategy, as, as, as we know, what it is basically, as, as we all know, there's a transfer of Worcester around £45 million. Um, that will be supplemented by player sales. You know, there's, I think there's another four million from David Espina. Um, all the players are left so far. I think it works out to 400, a saving of £410,000 a week in terms of wages saved from, from Welbeck's departure and Czech's retirement and, and a few others as well. But Ramsey. there's not a massive war chest there, as you say, as you so rightly say. Um, so Arsenal having to cut their um, cloth accordingly. And what they're doing, it's, it's an unofficial policy, but it's certainly, and it's, and it's not something they'd ever admit in public, but what they're doing is hothousing young players, such as Torreira, who's ready for the first team. So they signed him 26 million. They, they would happily sell him for double that this year if AC Milan actually had any money under Gazidis. Um and, and Arsenal would be happy with that. They're hot house young players who are ready for the first team um, in a bid to boost transfer funds. And they'll do it all again. Obviously, Guendouzi's another eye to that. He's ready. He's been in the first team, as we all know. If, if Torreira went, Guendouzi would step up. They would then look for someone else, um, a bargain in the, in the continent. It's a policy most lower league clubs do and most smaller clubs do. Um, Arsenal have to do that. As I say, they'd never admit it publicly, but that, that was just one of my stories. Um, but at the same time, they're actively promoting youth. They, they have to because the squad isn't strong enough. But also, that's another way to save them millions, basically. I've done a few stories on the fact that, you know, I've listed a few players that who could actually save Arsenal millions in the transfer market. And that's exactly what they're doing. There will be... Um, progression for, for a lot of youngsters this season. Arsenal fans have always backed youngsters who have come through from the club um, until they've seen otherwise, basically. Yeah. And even then, there's always a soft spot for them. And they, arguably, they're, they're not as hard on um, players who come through as um, as potentially big signings who, who haven't sort of cut the, well, the muscles. Yeah, well, so I mean, tell, tell, that to, uh, tell that to Alex Awobi, maybe. I mean, just to sort of cut across. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, fair <laughs> point, yeah, just, just to cut across. So, if it had been signing, I think he would have got a lot more. Yeah, 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 true. A really good point there, yeah. True. Yeah. But just to cut across, yeah, I mean... Um, if there were three players who, you know, you, uh, based on 
what you saw for the under-23s last season, if there were three players from that under-23 group that you think Freddie Yunberg, based on how he's used them and maybe things he's said about them, who would be the three you would suggest are most ready to to make the step up and most likely to get the opportunities? There's a lot of really talented lads there. If you go back to the defence, you've got Danny Ballard. I know he's just gone on loan at Swindon. I had high hopes for him and I think that's, it's not necessarily a retrograde, retrograde step in, in terms of him going to the county ground. If he goes for a season, which he has done, and picks up a lot of experience, he's still only 19. He's been including the Northern Ireland full squad, full international squads mm. before. I think he could be a potentially really good player. But but if you're talking about three players who can step up for Arsenal this season, well, I interviewed one of them on uh, on Monday, um, Eddie Nketiah, uh, Nketiah, who, um, who, you know, there, there is talk of him going alone, and he did tell me exclusively that um, he was going to sit down with Emery and, and have a chat along with um, Freddie as well, and and the loans um, manager Ben Napper too, to see where where his future lies. But if he does stay at the club, he's got a massive, massive future. He again spoke so well about um, being a being a being an Arsenal player and his ambitions. He was he was steely and quietly confident. He wasn't shouting his mouth off. He wasn't um, making large claims or anything like that. He just wants to play first team football for Arsenal. He's an Arsenal, he actually told me without prompting or anything, he was an Arsenal fan, he's born and bred. Arsenal, playing for Arsenal is his biggest dream, it's his life to play for them. Um, so there's a plane going overhead. He's, um, he's, you know, he's, he's ready to play basically. Um, he had a bit of a dip after um, not going to Augsburg at the end of January. Um, and prior to that, he, I, I, was, I covered the game up at Blackpool first, FA Cup third round first weekend of, uh, of January and he missed a couple of chances and um, he, he was getting a bit of stick on social media for that but but I think fans who were there and fans who know the score um, realise that you've got to be in those places to be able to miss the chances um, Eddie was still talking about it the other day when I talked to him um, but he's taken it on board and I think he's ready really ready to to explode he's obviously in the 23 for back he didn't didn't get on while a colleague Joe Willock did um, but at the same time I think Eddie's ready for a big season hopefully it will be at Arsenal but as I say he does need games uh, another one is obviously Saka Saka's 17 it's ridiculous to think he's 17 he's still eligible for the 18 the under 18s I think or if he's not he, mm. he's certainly under 23s and under 21s um, he has got first team experience as we say that in that 4-1 um, victory against Fulham and he's another who could who could do really well he's, I think he's better out wide rather than as, as a centre forward he's got great technique he, he's he's quite an athletic lad as well he's got a good temperament I think he's got a huge future I think he's a player who can benefit by staying at Arsenal for another year just literally learning his trade for the under-18s, under-23s, getting a few games here and there um, for the first team in the Europa League and uh, potentially Carling Cup and maybe even a few sub-appearances in the in the Premier League if, um, if, if it works out and Emery thinks he's OK, basically. That's the thing with Emery. He's, um, he's not afraid to, to bed youth. He's not afraid to, to play youth. So I think there will be, um, there will be um, chances. Um, the third player I would say would be um, Amici, Javier Amici. He's a, he's a really good player as well. I know there's a few issues around him um, in terms of his contract and stuff, but he's another player who... Um, he's a, who just really, he's in the last year of his contract, isn't he? Or, you know, Arsenal are yeah, at a point yeah, where exactly. it's either get him to sign a new deal or they might might have to move yeah. him on, maybe? He, he is a real prospect in terms of contract. Obviously, you know, he wants the best he can. His providers want, to, want the best for him as well. So um, it's, it's, it's a case of watching his space. But that Forest Green game, um, I was I was referring to earlier in terms of the checker trade. He, he really he really won that game. He was um, he was immense that night uh, along with Saka, um, and they, they just played really well. And I think he's another who could um, who could potentially do well. Um, 
there's others. I'll say two to you. I know um, his, his future's not Arsenal at the moment, but he was he was another impressive last season. There's so many that, that did really well for Arsenal, and there's so many more that are coming through. Yeah. I, I, everyone can say there's, there's potential there. There's, there's talented players. People always talk about that, but there's a real crop that's coming through, and the ones that were under Freddie last year, uh, an exceptional crop of players, and uh, I, I think we'll see a few of them in the first team yeah. at some stage next season. Yeah, I think we'll have to. I think we'll have to. You know, I, yeah. it's interesting. You know, we we. We look like a team that also needs defensive recruits, and they're probably the most difficult to to put into the team. I'll say Tutu, as you mentioned, has gone on loan uh, for the season, and, and we do have an issue at right back. If you know if Jenkinson leaves, Hector is not going to be fit until probably September, and I, I think you need to uh, ease a player uh, after that injury. You know back into action quite slowly, so you don't you don't lose him again with any niggles. Ainsley Maitland Niles. Perhaps not as comfortable at right back as as we might have thought uh, he'd be. Yeah. I think you know he's had his good games, but you know if you look at the Europa League final, and it's not to suggest that he's at fault for our defeat in the Europa League final by any means, but he didn't have a good night that night on a, on a big stage. Perhaps the kind of performance that that might have convinced people he was a, a future right back in the long term. I'm not sure he had that. So when we talk about you know all the talk of Kieran Tierney or uh, coming in at left back uh, and we know that that Arsenal are interested there we're I think still awaiting concrete links to a central defender who isn't 18 and we're going to loan back to his parent club for for a year it's surprising that there isn't a bit more focus on what's going to happen in the right back position next season I think for Arsenal it will be a case of um, make amend until Bellerin comes hopefully comes back in in September just to point on Bellerin I absolutely love him good luck to him he speaks so well about veganism and, and LGBT issues and, and saving the planet with environment stuff he's absolutely fantastic and I think obviously as we all know he will be uh, number one choice and I think if Arsenal can nurse um, the, 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 you know that, that slot through until September unless there's an injury setback they won't be signing anyone in terms of left back so, uh, in terms of right back talking about defenders obviously you mentioned in there Scott um, Kieran Tierney um, he can actually play right he's played right back for um, uh, for Selwick um, he, I think he turned out for Scotland at right back um, under Gordon Strachan as well a couple of years ago he's only 22 I think he's played 167 games already for, for Celtic he's, he, I think he's lifted 11 trophies he's got four um, Scottish titles already he is ready to come south of the border and Arsenal made an initial bid of 15 million um, that was knocked back immediately they then went back with 18 million um, they were preparing a 19 million bid as far as I know I think Celtic won 22 if Arsenal offered 22 they've got their man basically and he's a leader he's a real leader he can really really bolster that defence. Um, obviously, at left-back, because Nacho Monreal's 33, he's not getting any younger. Incidentally, there was um, there was a piece put out that he was leaving yesterday. That's absolute nonsense. I talked to the club yesterday, and they, the, the line was, they actually said he was rubbish. It's not, yeah, he's, yeah. he's turning up for pre-season training on Friday. I'm obviously, Arsenal do need strength. The class, and that played at a left wing back and, and filled in. Sadie Zaka as well, at left-back last season. And it wasn't satisfactory in terms of having someone like that do that, because you're obviously losing him in the field, and he wasn't the best in that position anyway as much as he tried so Arsenal have to pull out all the stops for Tierney it yep. could be that they could actually play Monreal on the left and, and Tierney on the right and for the first two or three games of the season I know it's Newcastle away which is always a tough game but they are in a bit of disarray having um, 
party company with Benitez. Burnley at home the weekend after. I know Sean Dyche always puts out a strong side, but but you'd like to think potentially that could be six out of six. Yeah. Points out of six. Obviously, there's a really, really difficult trip to um, the Champions League winners the week after, and the Spurs and the North London Derby. But if Arsenal can get through those four, those four games, there's the international break after that. So you're looking potentially mid-September. Bellerin could be back by then. So it might be that they, they, they're not particularly looking for, for yeah. a right-back. And as you say, Maitland-Niles could could fill in as well although yeah. you're right he was absolutely disappointing in that final but then so many were as well yes. it's, you're right it's not um, well, no one's no one's blaming him individually It's uh, you win as a team and you lose as a team and that performance that night was desperately disappointing yeah. pretty much summed up the last few weeks of the season really yes. for me Valencia semi-final apart really yeah. Um, but yeah there, there's there's certainly options but I, I think it's interesting I talked to um, Ray Parler this week I've, I've talked to David Seaman as well we put a few pieces out in Football London and um, Seaman certainly he was like um, why are they going for Zaha why are they going they need to to go for someone like Tierney. I've just pushed the piece this morning, just just basically saying that. Um, Parla as well. He, he he was he was hailing um, uh, Tierney too. I even talked to Jack Wilshire last week and for an exclusive, and um, he was um, he was talking about Tierney too. Although obviously he was pushing the merits of um, Ryan Fraser, former Bournemouth colleague, um, and he spoke really really um, you know, glowingly about him as well. So there's certain targets that Arsenal are looking to land, and I think obviously having signed. Gabriel Martinelli this week. Edu and um, Francis um, Kajau really, really deserve a lot of credit for, for landing Martinelli. But is he a finished product? No, I don't think so. Arsenal needs some finished products and they certainly need them in defence and um, Tierney's gonna, hopefully going to be the first of a few that are going to come in. Uh-huh. But you're absolutely right talking about referring to Saliba there. I don't understand that deal. You know, so we've got 45, Arsenal have got 45 million to spend, potentially a bit more. Um, you can pay installments and all the rest of it as well. But why would you spend 25, 30 million on, on a player who you're going to loan back. I, I really don't understand it. Yes, it's great if you've got 100, 200 million in your Man City or whatever and you're, you're, you're sort of biding your time for the future and he'll obviously progress at San Etienne and come back a better player or come to Arsenal a better player in 12 months' time. But Arsenal can't afford to do that. Emery hasn't got that much time. He, you know, he's still mm. got the goodwill of majority of fans and I, I, for one, think he's absolutely the right man for the job. He needs time and he needs money and he's not had, he's certainly not had money at the moment. The January transfer window summed it up basically. You know, four million on the loan for um, Denis Suarez and that was it. I was yeah. at the press conference when they, he basically admitted there was no money and you, you thought everyone just talked about Did he really say that? Um, you know, so he needs time. Um, Arsenal need to invest in uh, in some players, certainly defenders to start with and, and we'll see where we are and uh, come, I think it's August the 10th, isn't it? When, yeah. the, when the transfer deadline closes. So, um, yeah. Yeah, was well, Richard Key says slam shut or doesn't slam shut because it's not a real window but, yeah, um, again well, that's a different story well, yeah exactly we won't worry about what Richard <laughs> Key says uh, look we'll, uh, the clock is ticking and we'll keep our fingers crossed that uh, that things happen but uh, for now we'll leave it there Leith thanks very much indeed brilliant cheers mate thanks for having us on all the best thank you very much indeed to Leith you can find him on Twitter at Leithy29 at Leithy29 and doing his Arsenal stuff on Football London now as we have been recording this podcast big 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 transfer news has broken one of the deals of the summer nobody saw this one coming David Ospina has joined Napoli on a permanent basis after spending a year there on loan for a fee believed to be around 3.5 or 4 million euros, which is basically what we paid for him when we signed him from, well, I think it was Nice, wasn't it? After the 2014 World Cup. Here we are, 455 years later, and he has moved on. I mean, he never really seemed like a bad guy. David Ospina. He didn't seem like a bad bloke. He just seemed a bit too, you know, small and neckless to be a goalkeeper with arms that 
didn't really stretch out very far and standing behind the line and that kind of stuff was never was never ideal for a goalkeeper. But there you go. He's off to Napoli, where the fans are much more understanding and forgiving than they are in North London, for sure. My favourite David Ospina moment was when he tried to say the word share in a promo with Alexis Sanchez. Like it? Sure it. That bit at the end, by the way, was Alexis Sanchez bursting into uh, uncontrollable laughter. It was a good beat, though. Listen. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Right then, let's do a few questions, a bit of Q&A from our Arsblog members on Patreon. They are also part of our Discord chat server. There are text chat rooms and there are also voice chat rooms in there so we can connect to people, hear what they have to say, and we can do some a uh, little bit of Q&A, a little bit of chat and what have you. If you want to be an Arsblog member on Patreon, you can join for uh, five euros a month and you get benefits like ad-free uh, Arscast and Arscast Extra. We're redeveloping our apps this summer one of the features of the apps is that you'll be able to log in with your Patreon uh, credentials and you will have an ad-free app so you can read the news and the blog and everything without any ads uh, as soon as our apps are updated that is happening this summer they're in beta testing right now there's a free audio book lots of extra bonus content in there as well so if you want to join patreon.com forward slash arsblog a fiver a month and you get access to everything straight away and there's no long-term commitment you can just join for a month if you like but hopefully you'll stick around longer and support what we do here right first up ollie hello ollie hi andrew how, how are, are you i'm good thanks how are you yeah really good really good i just got home as it was starting and saw the message and thought i might as well come on might as well give it a bash all right yeah. well you're the first up so uh have you got a specific question or yeah 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 so um well firstly like you know love the blog love the podcast been listening for years thank um, you very much i'll do my best um, <laughs> and uh, the question is um, if the season pans out how we all fear it will mm. and we don't do very well um, 
and Emery gets the sack, what kind of manager would you like to see come in to Arsenal? Like uh, a young kind of Arteta type manager or an older hand like Ancelotti? What do you think we'll need? It's a really good question. I think what we're going to need is somebody who can get more out of limited resources than Unai Emery might not be able to get. Right, so I mean, we are getting ahead of ourselves a bit. He could, he could do better next season. Um, it's not okay. impossible, you know. Um, but I do feel like it's so hard because you know someone like Ancelotti is going to want to come in and spend a lot of money. If you give it to someone like Arteta, who doesn't have a lot of money to spend, you're putting him at a disadvantage as well. So it, I'm sort of hopeful that whatever we do this summer. Puts us on a puts us on the kind of track where we will be able to give a manager real backing when the right manager comes in, if that makes sense. But I don't quite know who it is. I have a funny feeling about Freddie Jumberg, that they're sort of positioning him a little bit. Um, I know that it wasn't entirely the club's decision to to make that swap um, uh, with Freddie and, and Steve Bold, uh, but it, you know it, it might well be a case that we get someone like Freddie, you know, if uh, Edu is our technical director, hmm. Patrick Vieira coming uh, so, back. So like the theory is get a, a manager, almost develop the manager at the same time we're trying to develop the players and, and get the most out of a limited budget. Yes, I think so. I mean, I think that's the reality of where we are. Our budget is going to be quite limited. I think, you know, we've got a couple of players earning huge money who they would like to move on, but because of the money that they're on, they're not going to be able to do that. Um you know, so if we're kind of hamstrung for another season with a couple of players that we don't really want, and it has a an impact on the budget, on the wage budget, certainly. Although we have knocked about, what, 400 grand off the wage bill already. Yeah, um, or one Ozil. Yeah, what, well, one Ozil is like, what, three, three, four players going out. You know, yeah. what about you? What would you like to see? Uh, I, I agree. I mean, there are lots of... I think that in general, the Premier League has suffered for years with having lots of older managers who just spill out the same old crap and the same mm. old ideas. Um, but you're seeing now kind of a new wave of managers come through. Potentially, Arteta will go into a first-team job. Uh, Lundberg, if he doesn't take over Arsenal, might. And, and Vieira's mm. doing very well with Nice. Mm. So, you know, I, I, I think... Maybe just it's the hype of the Adidas advert, but I'm kind of ready for a, a return of an old player to kind of uh, to to kind of keep the same, but but also bring something new. Yeah, absolutely. Whoever it is has got to have Righty as his uh, second in command. That should be or the marketing guy at least. Yeah, <laughs> communications. Yeah, exactly. Wow, he'd do a great job. It is mad that Adidas have sort of spoken to us far more than the owners of this football club have in all oh. the time they've taken over, but. You know, cynical marketing. We can all see it for what it is, but it doesn't. It doesn't mean it doesn't work. You know. Yeah, yeah. So I say, to, sitting here in my uh, new Arsenal Adidas top, but uh, yeah, I bought one as well. I bought one. <laughs> I did. I did. I, I got a Perez Seven shirt. I got name oh, and number on it and everything. Classic. So there you go. I, I was suckered in by the whole lot of it. Um, Ollie, thanks. I'm going to try and keep the calls moving on, but thank you for uh, for your support here and uh, thanks for listening. Thanks, Andrew. All right. Hello. Hey. Hey. Andrew? Yes. Hi, who's this? Uh, this is Vic. Hey, Vic. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Not too bad, thanks. How's your evening? Or where are you? Uh, I'm, I'm in, uh, I'm in uh, New York, actually. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'll be in New York in a couple of weeks, actually. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, what's oh, on nice. Your... Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, we're doing the tour and then coming home via New York. So 
and get a couple of days to wind down. So that should be good. What's on your mind this evening? Any ideas on how to uh, how you'll think uh, Lacazette and Aubameyang will sort of play next season? I mean, this last season they sort of played all the games because they were probably the only things that could win us a game. Mm. But any idea how they'll be used next season? I guess it depends on who we bring in. You know, if we bring in players that make it easier to play a system with just one striker, I think it's going to be very interesting to see what Unai Emery does. Um, I, I think he's the kind of manager who would prefer to play with one striker rather than two. But you're right, you know, we had to play them because they were they were just the best thing about the team, particularly in the last three months of the season when... We really needed players to step up. They did. I know they didn't do it in the final and there were a couple of games where they didn't necessarily do it. But I think those were more, you know, it's a lot to expect two strikers to to service and deliver uh, for themselves uh, on, a, on a frequent basis. But I'm really curious. I don't quite know what's going to happen. I have a feeling we're going to go to a system with a back four and a system with just one striker. So how that's going to play out over the course of the season, I don't quite know. I mean... If we bring in someone like Zaha, let's imagine that we can bring in Zaha. And wow. We put, uh, yeah, yeah, of course it is. But, you know, we, we can go where we want in our imaginations, right? Yeah, um, that's true. I think, I think we'd play him from the left-hand side. And that means I'm not sure Obama Yang, if you do play him wide, is particularly good from the right. He tends to do better on the left-hand side. Um, Lacazette, I don't think, can play in wide position. So I, I, my answer right now is I don't know because I need to see what we do in the transfer market before I can really make that judgment. But my gut yeah, feeling okay. is I think it'll be just a one-striker system next year. Okay, so does that mean that one of them will actually be playing Europa League games? Like sort of, or would they? do you think they'll be rotated uh, for the Premier League stuff? That's another good question. Again, depends on what we have available to us um, for the Europa League. Like, if they keep Eddie and Kedia, for example, maybe they give him the Europa League games. Um, maybe it's too much of a demotion for one of the strikers to sort of just put him down in the Europa League team, which I hope is going to be full of kids next season. I'm not sure that that yeah. would keep either of them happy. I mean, there's talk of uh, some suggestion that Lacazette's about to sign a new deal. So who knows? Maybe Emery's yeah. going to go old school four four two next season. Um, you know, well, we'll yeah, old school. Wow, old okay. school. Do we have the midfield for that? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not yet. Anyway, not yet. We've got a very yeah. good plan though for transfers. So don't worry. It's all going to come together. Oh, yeah. and it'll be great. I mean, we'll see the pudding, don't won't we? Yeah, we will. We will. All right, uh, Vic. I'm going to move on and try and keep a couple yeah, of uh, sure. keep a couple. Uh, more calls going so thank you as ever um, no, thank you for taking the call okay cheers man you, you too my hello oh hello hi who's this it's uh mike hi mike how are you hi good thanks how are you not too bad what's going on well, not too much just uh first time submitting a question so okay that's always very exciting sure sure where in the world are you i'm in canada okay how's your summer going yeah. so far getting started but i think typically we share uh weather with you guys oh, a little bit oh uh, god but, uh, okay. yeah yeah not great i'm sorry to hear that uh so what, what's your question so 
and yeah, basically, it's about the um, you know the kit launch and mm. with all the promotions that Adidas has been doing, um, and just the extent to which it's kind of leveraging uh, the history of the club. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering your opinions on kind of how because it seems like we're going to be able to leverage the history for a little while and even maybe through getting Yunberg in as the first team manager and Edu in as the, mm. as the technical director but um, I'm wondering what you think that the impact of that's going to be in the future or how long we're going to be able to leverage that or then have to recycle through the last 10 years after that which yeah. probably won't be so easy to that's true. I'm wondering what your thoughts were on, on that and how they're going to manage. I, I don't quite know. I mean, I think the, the thing about the Adidas um, thing is they they manufactured our kit when we won the league in, in 89 and 91 and into the 90s. So th- they had a very – when the, the deal ended with Adidas, I think it was probably 95 or 96. So they could sort of go back to that era, you know, when Arsenal – won a couple of leagues and we had players like Ian Wright and David Rocastle, Tony Adams. We won a European trophy. So it seemed like a really interesting and obvious place for them to, to go back to. Um, mm. And people connect with those players because they're, they're a players who've won things and been successful and, and are part of the club's history, the fabric of the club, if you like, I think that's, that's what they said, but a lot of time has passed as well. So, I think there's enough history for people to go back on. Maybe you would like kit launches not to be quite as, maybe a little more centered around. Well, yeah, important. I mean, it lifted us all out of our funk, but, you know, centered more about what we might do in the future as as to what we're going to do or what we've done in the past. I can really understand why Adidas did it, and I think they did it really, really well. Um Mm. I thought it was it was just superbly put together, not least because everyone was just fed up with the Puma kits. You know, last season's uh, away kit was just horrible, and people were ready for for something new. Um, but I think you know we will have, and there always will be moments and pieces of history that that people can use for cynical marketing purposes in the future. Don't worry about that. I think the industry will will find a way to take those moments that we've all enjoyed and turn them into something that will sell us a product. Isn't that what they do, basically? Yeah, yeah, no, completely. <laughs> and, and to some extent, I guess I don't mind them doing it if, it if it results in kind of the uplift that we've seen in the last two weeks. I, I guess it was kind of as a reaction to the, the Swiss Ramble thread yeah. and then the, the differentiation and being able to leverage your history versus uh, maybe some other clubs. And then it's kind of like, well, you know, what do you think the window is on being able to leverage the history versus needing to create new history, that type of thing? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, look, we will. I'm sure we will create history one way or the other. Um, (laughs) Yes, hopefully for the positive. (laughs) Hopefully for the positive, but who knows? It could be just crazy as well. So uh, we'll see what happens. But look, continue to enjoy your summer, and uh, and thanks for being here, and thanks for your question. Thanks a lot. Thanks for uh, for doing this. No problem, man. Thanks. Hello. Hi. Hi. You're there. Andrew, how are you? Sorry, microphone on mute. That's okay. This is Mike, is it? Yeah, that's correct, yeah, Mike. Where are you, Mike? I'm in Cork in Ireland. Cork. Enjoying the uh, the beautiful weather we're having? Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's not yeah. bad, is it? It's not bad. Lifts the mood as much as an Adidas kit launch. What can you say? It sure does. Sure so, does. What's your question this evening? Uh, I Yeah, my, my, well, I suppose my first question is, 
do you think that um, we're playing a kind of a double bluff, uh, putting out the story now that we uh, have loads of money, whereas to kind of keep the, the fans on side, mm. whereas before we kind of were saying we've only got 40 million. Are we doing a double bluff? I mean, I think that the, the, the figure that's come out is basically based on the accounts and the money that was uh, available for transfers uh, last summer and, you know, our Europa League earnings and, and everything else. I, I'm not sure that Arsenal ever officially said we've got £45 million. No club will say this is our transfer budget. You know, you don't you don't show your hands when you go into a, a negotiation. It's, it's sort of... Yeah. Uh, guesstimates, really, but it's it's fairly widely held that that's that's what we have, unless we push the boat out a bit, or we take some money uh, from the cash, or maybe we get a bit of extra promotion money. You know, Adidas are going to pay us whatever it is, sixty million pounds a season. You know, uh, take an sure. advance on some of those earnings. I'm not sure if that's something we can do. So I, I don't know who's putting what out but you know generally I don't think Arsenal have a huge amount of money this summer it feels like we've probably got a bit more than that to play around with given that we're bidding 40 million pounds for for Zaha we're after Kieran Tierney we're after this young French guy who's going to cost some money at least this season even if we loan him back so there's probably a bit more out there than people think, but quite how much, I don't know. Yeah, well, I suppose if you add those together, it's close to 100, but maybe that includes player sales as well. So Yeah, it could knows. do. Well, they don't seem to have any of those on the cards at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see. Was there another part of the question? Uh, there was. Well, there was another question, but Go um, I, I was going to ask it uh, in the... Um, in the Arscast Extra when I kind of looked into it a bit more. But um, on uh, Second Captains, um, uh, Ken interviewed the guy that wrote uh, Football Hackers and he mentioned that um, Sven Mizentat replaced another guy um, who went to a, a, a German team. Um, but, I, I, you know, I suppose I'd never heard of a kind of a, a recruitment guy other than Dick Law, but yeah. I don't know. Did you know who that was? But he mentioned his name, but I, I, I meant to go back and, and listen to it. I did listen to that interview, but did Ken say that he replaced the, somebody at Arsenal? The, the, the author did of Football Hackers. He said that Sven replaced uh, uh, another guy who moved to a, a German club afterwards. So I just wondered who that was, because I I, I meant to go back and check. Yeah, I'd have to go back and listen to that. I can't think off the top of my head who that is. Um, But I'll go back. I'll go back and we'll see. If I I can figure it out, we'll talk about it on the Arscast Extra on Monday. Good stuff. All right. That's it for me. Thanks, Mike. Take it easy. Thanks, Andrew. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Hello. Hello, Blocks. Hey, how's it going? Who's this? This is uh, Jeremy. Jeremy, how are you? Not bad, thank you. Yourself? Not too bad, thanks. How's your evening? Uh, quiet one. Quiet okay. One. So what's? Uh, go on. What's on your yeah. mind? Question. Uh, might bring down the tone. I'm not sure if it was that high anyway. Uh, However. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I asked. Uh, I don't know. A few months ago, if this is going to be a lean next five to ten year periods, uh, considering where we are now, mm. you said um, that. You don't think so at this moment in time. Where we are now, have your thoughts changed anything? Just from my point of view, I'm 
this next five to ten years might not be the best, as it were. I was just wondering your thoughts. Um, like, I'm not confident that this is going to be our best five or ten years. That's for sure. I suppose at the heart of the worry is is what Stan Kroenke wants from this football club. If he wants it to do things or if he just wants to own it. My fear is that he kind of just wants to own it and let it chug along and it's not really going to to depreciate in value. You know, if that happens then I think we're we're very dependent we're very dependent on the people that he puts in place to run the club. If he puts smart people in place then we have a chance. But I don't think the push or the drive is going to come from the owner. And that's where that's where I would have some serious concerns. I mean, I think there are some clever people at the club. I really like uh, Per Mertesacker, for example, and and what he seems to he seems to really connect and and to get it, you know. And and maybe that's maybe that's what it will take. But I mean, what's your what's your major fear for the next five or ten years? Backwards, I'd suggest. I think obviously we can all see we're pretty lucky um, that everyone else in the top six. Uh, wasn't exactly consistent and you just look at the clubs below and their their ambition seemingly is higher in terms of their stature of their club than what ours is and to be honest I think so you look at Wolves's midfield area and comparable to Arsenal's if not better mm. and I just I don't see um, too many lights at the end of the tunnel at the moment uh, so yeah, it's just slipping down. That said, I I wouldn't want to be if someone a shake from whatever came along. I I don't, I don't like that Man City PSG model at all. I think it's cheating basically. But I still would like a new owner, which would happily you know dip into their pocket, much like the Liverpool ones have done at the moment. And that is a self-sustaining model, but they were willing to sack off their best players at ridiculous prices. Yeah. I mean, I do wonder sometimes, you know, we look at Liverpool and we think this could be the way for Arsenal to do it. And you can see, you know, how that might be the case. You know, you sell a couple of good players, you reinvest, you slowly, uh, it, you know, it has taken Liverpool some time to make the progress they have under under Jurgen Klopp. And they went through some some dodgy managers as well, you know? It's taken them a while. I do wonder sometimes if, if sometimes we look at the end result and think it's part of a massive, cohesive, coherent, well-thought-out strategic plan and sometimes shit just comes together a bit as well. Like, I yeah. do think Liverpool's owners have been much better for Liverpool than Stan Kroenke has been for Arsenal. They seem to care. They seem to really want to, you know, have a connection with the fans, which the Kroenkes have no interest in. You know, I think we can we can see that. Um, and they've they've put good people in good positions and, and they've reaped the rewards of that and the benefits of that. But I do wonder as well, just sometimes if it if it all just kind of fell together and made a you know a delicious cake for Liverpool. Um so, you know, timing of things can work in your favor or not in your favor. You know, I think this summer will tell us a lot about the competence of the people that we have running the club. Just um finally, so I don't take up anyone else's time. Okay. Uh, on a brighter note, if you step back and look at it, I think in the last six years We've been in five finals and won three. 
mm. and haven't not been in Europe for 25, 26 years. Yeah. So we're not that bad. And we did we did only finish a point off top you four. Can see, uh, my point of view. Yeah. We did only finish a point off the top four as well. I mean, it was an appalling way to finish the, se- the season, but you know, it, it was Hello? it was close. Hello, you there? Hello, he's not there. The internet has uh, disconnected us. Let's try one more final one. Hello. Good evening, Andrew. Can you hear me? Yeah, finally. Sorry, my laptop was not working. There. Well, that's so okay. I've been having some connection issues with the last caller as well. So you're you're the last one of the evening. Um. What's going on? What's the question? Uh, the question is, uh, the last couple of podcasts have been fairly negative. Uh, well, in your tone and uh, Andrew Allen's tone, certainly, about the future. Yeah. Um, I was wondering if, you know, with a new kit launch with uh, plenty of transfer movement coming in and out, or rumours of it, Um you think we've turned the corner a bit since, you know, the 1st of July? Well, there's rumours, isn't there? But, I mean, I don't know... I don't know if I feel confident yet. Kit launch was great, and everybody, I think, um, got in the mood. Did you get one? Uh, not yet. I need to check how the sizing is in that front. <laughs> <laughs> You're waiting okay, for someone else to... Skin tight like the Puma, yeah. No, I don't think they're, I don't think they're quite as skin tight as the Pumas. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think like a lot of people, I'm waiting to be convinced by, by the football people this summer, you know, last summer when we had Sven and we had Ivan, not that I'm a fan of Ivan and we had Raul, we had like this functioning recruitment system and all of our business was done by the first week of July. And here we are in the first week of July and we haven't got anything done apart from the young Brazilian kid, which was done months ago anyway and it's hard not to look at the fact that you know Sven is gone and we've got a double-headed double-headed chief executive um doing the thing you know I need to see some deals come in before I start feeling better because I think we've been down the road of Arsenal's transfer business taking too long in the past you know um that yeah I agree but I think with the the Zaha transfer in particular, I think it's prudent for the club to slow play it. It's a classic Sunway tactic. Uh, I do think by the end of the transfer window, he'll be an Arsenal player. Yeah. I know for a fact, he wants to leave Crystal Palace for Arsenal. Yeah, well, I mean, it's obvious. His brother has said it, you know? Yeah. His, his brother said it. So, I look, you know, that's fine, but uh, we, we, also have to, we also have to get a left back. We also have to get at least one central defender. We also need a central midfielder. Um, and I know there's names out there that are being linked, but there doesn't appear to be anything close. And I wonder about our 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 capability of multitasking. I'm not sure we're good multitaskers in the transfer market. We can get sidetracked and sidelined by, by one saga. And it feels a bit to me like Zaha could be a saga. Yeah, I think it was definitely going to be a saga the way, well, the way we're playing it and sort of low balling early on. Mm. Um, I know you're quite high on Tierney, but is he is he really good enough to play for Arsenal? How good would Kalasenac look in the SPL in uh, comparison? He's a different kind of player, though, isn't he? Tierney's a very, very uh, aggressive, quick, uh, modern fullback, whereas Kalasenac is 
kind of a a big beast of a guy who's good at one thing really and that's bombing down and and firing in low crosses i think tierney's a much more rounded player uh he's a bit more like a bit more like bellerin on the other side um so he's a, just a, na- a more natural fullback and I think if we're going to go back to a back four, we need a proper fullback. I don't think Kolasinac is good enough to play left back for a season. I don't think Monreal has got enough legs to play fullback for a season. So I'd be okay with Tierney. I think he's a very, a very decent player. Twenty-two, he could easily make a step forward. You're not sold? Not at twenty-five. Fifteen million is a no-brainer. But I don't know. I don't. I don't think he's proven against. You know, top tier talent. He's beating pub players who are playing right wing for like Hearts and Dundee United week in, week out. I don't know. Mm. Well, you know, other players have come down from Scotland and done pretty well. You know, the Liverpool guy. Pat Van Dyke's all right. Yeah. Pat Van Dyke <laughs> did all right, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, you know, he looked good in Scotland and he came down and looked good in the Premier League. So, uh, a player we could have signed from Celtic if we'd wanted to, but. Somehow we didn't. We're taking over Southampton's job then. That's uh, yeah. Wendy Armour as well. Oh my goodness! Well, you know we well, got you've, depre- you've managed to depress me now. Andy, yeah, we've so. got we got Mustafi <laughs> instead, so don't worry about it. It's all good. All right, he man. Could job, yeah, <laughs> he could do a job. Yeah, I could, I could think of about fifty jobs Mustafi could do for me right now, but uh, none of them are on the pitch. All right, um, thanks for calling in, dude. Cheers, Andrew. Thank you very much indeed to our callers who use the uh, Arsblog Discord server to uh, call in. Well, not call in, just join a voice chat room and you get access to that, of course, if you are an Arsblog member on Patreon. We will have lots more to talk about on Monday, I'm sure, uh, when myself and James record the Arscast Extra. We won't be recording until Monday afternoon, though, for uh, various reasons. But maybe by then we might have uh, signed a player or two. Who knows? I think we all know. I think we all know. But you've got to live in some kind of hope in these weird, strange, dark times that we live in. Right. Just to let you know that if you're going to be in L.A. around the uh, Bayern Munich game, we're doing a live podcast, a live cast from the Underground Pub in Hermosa Beach on Sunday, the 14th of July. Uh, James can't make it over because he's doing the Edinburgh Festival. It's all a bit tight for him in terms of time and what have you. But I will be joined by Elliot Smith. Uh, you know him as Yankee Gunner, the co-host of the Arsenal Vision podcast. We will hopefully have another couple of guests lined up as well. We'll do the usual podcast stuff, a panel discussion. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll do some listener Q&A. There'll be some beers. It should be a good, fun afternoon. If you want more details, if you want to buy tickets to that, go to arsenalinla.com. That is arsenalinla.com. And there's plenty more information there. There's loads going on around the games. Arsenal America and all the various fan groups from LA, from Charlotte, from DC, etc., etc. And there'll be fans from all over America, I'm sure, coming down to the the closest game to them to see the Arsenal. Arsenal. So looking forward to meeting a lot of people out there this summer. And if you are interested in the LA podcast, uh, visit arsenalinla.com. Right. I'll leave it there for this week's show. Thank you as ever for listening. We really, really do appreciate it. Have yourselves a great weekend. I'll be back on Monday with James for an Arsecast Extra. Until then, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye.
I was sitting there watching the world turn to shit on the news when the guy walked into the office. I hope you're here to cheer me up, mister, I said. Sure, he said, but first I need your help. What kind of help, I said. You need me to follow a dame, pick up some scratch? No, he said, I lost something. Try lost and found at the bus station, I said. I ain't no sniffer dog. You're a P.I., he said. I need you to do the I and keep the P on the down low. All right, I said, what is it? Look, he said, I told everybody I had a plan. What kind of plan, I said. Don't matter what kind of plan it was, he said. I just can't find the plan anymore. Time is ticking and I need to implement the plan. If I don't have the plan, the plan cannot be implemented. I need you to find the plan. I'll give you a plan, I said. Williams, Fellaini, Bergovic, meet you. Get your money out, buddy. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 